0: phones, your tablets. Uh, Open up with me to John chapter 13. I'm going to take just a little break from what we've been talking about. In fact, we've been looking at the Holy Spirit in the Bible, but we're going to jump ahead a little bit as we start to enter those, what we call Passion Week, or the last few weeks of of Jesus' life. In fact, my title today, and it's going to be actually the words of Jesus, is He loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. I encourage you to go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. Download the message notes. We won't get to all of these verses, but they're actually for you to print out. There's some questions for you as you sit down with your family, whether it's dinner or breakfast or whenever. There's a few questions uh, for you to go through. And we've kind of called it as for me in my house so that you take these things not just from a a Sunday sermon that's going to last four hours, but you can take take it uh, home and go through it uh, as well. But we read in John 13, 1 through 9. Let me turn over there in my Bibles and let's start by reading these scriptures today. Looking at what Jesus did right before they have the Passover meal, before They have uh, what he institutes as the Lord's Supper. And I want to read this. Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Let me read that again. He loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel, which he was girded. He then came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you will have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Well, Lord, as we look at these verses here, and we look at our Lord, our Savior, Jesus not only becoming a servant to serve earth, but becoming a servant to wash the feet of his disciples. Father, I pray in our hearts today that our hearts are open. The Holy Spirit is the one teaching us, showing us the ways of the kingdom. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. On this screen, in fact, I want them to leave the image up if they can for a minute. Um, this actually isn't from the church that I'm going to use in an illustration, but there was a church that Michelle and I started uh, going and visiting a few times a year in Danville, California. And the pastor put this very large bronze image as you would walk into the church campus. He put it there so that everybody that came to church or came on the campus they would see this and there would be some response in their heart. I remember after when I, when I heard, that, you know, it's one of those, it's a life-size bronze statue. In fact, when you look at it, if you look at it even with me for a minute, when you think of Jesus himself taking off his garments, girding himself with a towel, kneeling down to wash every one of the disciples' feet, it does something to your heart. Now, Jesus didn't institute this. We don't do a foot washing service once a year. How many of you like that, right? Oh, guess what? May's coming up. You know, they always do the foot washing. I can't wait. Are they going to cut toenails this time too? Because, you know, my, no, right? No. It it wasn't something that Jesus instituted as something that we do. It was something that he did. And whenever I see this, this image, it really does something to your heart that, my Lord and Savior, when we look back a couple weeks ago, Proverbs 8, who uh, in Proverbs calls Jesus the master craftsman of creation, that he would stoop low on his knees to wash humanity's feet. And I want to look at, though Peter is the only one mentioned, uh, I want us to think about some of the other disciples that ha- happened to have to be there. It's interesting that we read in John 13 one that before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, if you think about the hours coming up, there's going to be a betrayal by a kiss. There's going to be an arrest. In fact, if you read in the Bible, they show up to arrest Jesus with clubs and swords. He told them, he said, I was daily in the temple walking around teaching. You could have grabbed me then, and you come at me like this. The kiss on the cheek from Judas. He's taken away. He's beaten. He's spit upon. They throw a robe on him, a crown of thorns. They mock him. They lash his body 39 times. He goes before Pilate. He goes before Herod. He's back in front of Pilate. They cry out, crucify him. He carries his own cross to what the Bible calls the place of the skull. He's crucified and he died. This is all coming up in a few days. But he's going to take this example to first stoop low. And he's going to wash the disciples' feet. In fact, Peter, um, we read this in uh, verse 36 and 39, John chapter 13. When Simon Peter says to him, Lord, where are you going, right? Well, Jesus has been talking about this. Where are you going? And Jesus says, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterwards. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. And Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow until you have denied me three times. Peter says these words after the foot washing, right? Nobody's going nobody's to take you, Jesus. I'll die with you. But we're going to look at these lives of the disciples. But before we do, I want to read a couple verses in our thinking of that image that we saw in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 through 8. The Apostle Paul writes this about Jesus. Who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. Taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, and he became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Couple things that are interesting. You would back in those days. Uh, how many of you like wearing sandals all the time? You just like if you could, and you could go to work in sandals, and you could live life in sandals. Some of you. How many of you do it? Some of you. How many of you like sandals? Come on. Well. The style back then, what people wore were sandals. What you had in your home, if people came to your home, was a basin of water. And it allowed them to either wash their feet before they came in. How many of you in your house, you don't allow people to walk in your house with their shoes on? You can be honest. Okay, yeah, okay, we got, look at, I see hands up like a hallelujah. All right? <laughs> many times, go to somebody's house and they ask if we can take off our shoes because they have white carpet or whatever, right? And our shoes do get dirty. Well, that would be the first thing you do is wash your feet. Back in Bible times, uh, some had servants or what were referred to as slaves that would do it. So the servant serving your guests would wash everybody's feet as they came in to get off the dirt and everything. When we read this about Jesus, even the death of the cross was for criminals only, it was for criminals. So he empties himself of all reputation. Can you imagine one day you're in heaven? Jesus is in heaven. And as much as we read about heaven and his role in heaven, and now you're on earth. And you're going to go to the lowest of low of low to serve the people and die on the cross. And we read these things about him. He became obedient. Even when the father Had put all of these things in his hand. We read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Think about it. He knew no sin. Lying. Does anybody here ever lie? Oh, I'm gonna raise my hand. Anybody ever lied? Yeah. And he never lied. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, to be sin for me, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So I'm going to look through, and I want us to think about this for a minute, that all the 12 disciples had their feet washed by Jesus, who took his robe off, girded himself with a towel. And I want us to think first about the betrayer, which I call this the betrayer. This is Judas. In fact, and I thought this about Judas. He was so calm. In fact, the Bible says that Satan had gotten his heart. He was so calm, but he allowed Jesus to wash his feet. Wouldn't you be like if you were Judas? Yeah, you know, I'm, I, I got somewhere to go. I'm going to go a little bit early, right? I got I to go a little bit early. He allowed Nobody knew his plans except Jesus and Judas. The other 11 didn't know what was going on. And I wonder if he thought for just a minute that Jesus doesn't really even know the plans. But here's what's important to remember about uh, Judas is you can't hide things in your heart. Now, we can hide things pretty good, can't we? But let me tell you, you're not going to hide anything in your heart from your Father God. In fact, one of the questions for you this week in your family, if you had guests showing up to your house in 10 minutes, a lot of guests, what room would you be like, oh, oh no, oh no, oh no, no. Anybody have those oh no places? Right? Maybe some of you would meet them outside and say, hey, I'm going to take everybody out to eat. Right? We all have those oh no places. One of the oh no's is our garage. And it's not a bad thing, it's when my uh, son-in-law and daughter moved back in with us, we overheard them one night looking up storage. And it was going to cost them $600 a month in storage to store their things. And we just said, no, 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 bring bring it and put it in our garage. Well, when you go in our garage, if you were to go in our garage, you go in like this. I think about the narrow gate that Jesus talks about all the time, right? You kind of come in, in and out and around. The great thing is we have a refrigerator in our garage and we shove stuff in there all the time. In fact, I think there's some things we got to get out of there come trash day. But we all have rooms like that, don't we? Well, I think Judas thinks that maybe Jesus doesn't really know what's going on inside the heart. And you know what Jesus does? He does. And he washes your feet, anyways. He washes Judas's feet. In fact, John 14, 28. It lets us know that. but no one at the table knew for what reason he said this to them. In fact, he was talking about dipping the bread uh, in the commu- or the, dipping the bread in there. So here's what we know about Judas: His heart's dirty. But his feet were clean. Jesus served him. Well, I call these next ones the sprinters, the sprinters. So it's probably uh, the other ten disciples because Peter's going to get mentioned. These disciples, after the evening in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus is arrested, they all run. They all run. All of them. They all run. They're not going to see Jesus until the evening after his resurrection. They all run. In fact, they all ran. Mark 14 verse 50 says, They all forsook him and fled. In the garden, in fact, we we remember when we read this part that um, three of the disciples Jesus brought closer to pray with him and he caught them sleeping. And Jesus even referred to that. Couldn't you just stay awake for a little while, an hour or so? They fell asleep, right? They were asleep. But when the trouble all hit, boom, they all ran. They all ran. They're not going to see Jesus until the evening of the resurrection. You know, it's Mary that's one of the first ones that gets to actually see Jesus. Peter and John run to the tomb and they see that the body's gone. And you know what's really sad is you read in the Bible that they even bribed and gave money, a lot of money to the soldiers to lie, to say that the body wasn't in there because the disciples stole it. And what's interesting, what Jesus says to Peter, uh, they'll own and be around Jesus, but now they're not going to own him because of fear for their own lives. But they had clean feet. Mark chapter 4 talks about when persecution or tribulation arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. In fact, we know about Thomas in John chapter 20. Thomas is the one that says these words, I won't believe that Jesus is resurrected from the dead, unless I can take my finger and I can put it into the nail scars in his hand, unless I can take my hand and stick it in his side where they speared him, unless I can do that, I will not believe. That's Thomas. That's one of the disciples, right, that has been with Jesus, that laid everything else down. They all ran. Then we come to Peter, and when we read about Peter, or we'll use him as the denier, Peter was loud, right? So, but a lot of his loudness seemed to be in private with you. What? They're not gonna take you. They touch you, they're gonna touch me. To get to you, they gotta go through me first. That was Peter. And partly we believe that, right? He's the one that we refer to in the garden that took a sword and took off the high priest's servant's ear. Prayer meeting, guy's packing the heat, right, of the day. He's got a sword. Oh, we got a prayer meeting tonight. Awesome, let me me pick out what sword I'm going to take tonight. That's that's Peter. But in the midst of this, in public, Peter is going to go silent about Jesus. But he had clean feet. In fact, Peter in verse 8, John 13, 8, Peter says to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus' answer to him are these words. If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. What does he say? Wash me from the head, my hands, and my feet, right? Give me a bath, scrub me down. I want to have part of you. You know what's interesting about being a disciple of the Lord? Uh, A disciple is someone who is obedient to who they're serving, Obedience, following the teachings, following. Uh, Peter is refusing to submit to Jesus' words, right? He's refusing to do that. I'm not going to let you wash my feet. Now, we don't read that Peter said, let's switch roles. It's not what he was saying, right? Let me wash everybody's feet. He just didn't want Jesus to do that. And it's the attitude of surrender is what God blesses. Right? the attitude of surrender is what god blesses you know in our culture today it's in, and when jesus made himself of no reputation the way of the culture is to make of yourself a reputation we read today about influencers and in different media how they want to change culture based on their influence jesus made himself of no reputation Reminds me of a story I had had heard about. How many of you played sports in maybe high school or college? and Maybe you had a tough coach. You had a tough coach. Well, uh, this just happened a couple years ago. I had heard of a parent of a football team that went in to meet with the coach, and he told the coach, unless my son, who was this big, overweight, slow kid, unless he's a running back or the middle linebacker, he's not going to play football this year. Now, how many of your coaches would have said, oh, okay, so l- l- we'll do that. We'll make them the starting running back because we don't want them to leave, and we'll make them, how many of you, Would any of your coaches ever done that? How many of you could hear your coach right now, like all of a sudden the hair went up on your neck because you know exactly what your coach would have said, right? You get out of my office, right? You, you, don't, do, you don't do that as a parent, right? Unless, 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 well, that, that's our culture, demanding, we want this, we want that. Jesus' way, the one that we're obedient to, is a different culture. But it is the way, the truth, and the life. Right? Following his example of, of serving. The attitude of surrender is what God blesses. Bow your heads if you would with me today. And I'm going to read, as our worship team jumps up, I want to read this psalm, and then we'll take a minute uh, to worship and pray together. Would you guys put that image back up of Jesus? That bronze image. Psalm 24. Verse 3 and 4, David writes this. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. You know, I know we've already done some worship, but we want to take this this part of the service before we close in a time of of us coming before the Lord, thinking about even maybe Peter here, that the attitude of surrender is what God blesses. So in in the song that we close with, maybe as even Eric has mentioned before, maybe you need to come up front, which we sometimes call the altar, Maybe it's an opportunity for you just to come up and to kneel before the Lord or stand before the Lord or sit before the Lord as an attitude of surrender to you. Maybe there are things that in your life that you need to take today and repent of. Maybe in your seat, you just turn around and get on your knees and you take a minute and you take some God time. Maybe you stand up and you raise your hands. Maybe you just sit where you are, but this becomes an opportunity for all of us to think about Jesus washing our feet in an opportunity of pure hands and a clean heart today. So as they lead this song, would you respond how you feel in your heart that you need to respond today? And we'll come back in just a minute.